It's a love-hate relationship with CSS. When we think we're being clever, we learn that our solution's not the best. Some things are rendering weirdly on different browsers. Some just aren't supported at all. No answers. So today on Tools, we will be talking about things we love and could do without. When it comes to styling our browsers now, Tools is the show, and we're starting now. Yay! <laughs> I wrote that song in five minutes, or and started. it's fantastic. It's fine. <laughs> Welcome to Tools Day, a podcast about tech tools, tips, and tricks. Every other Tuesday at two, I'm your co-host Yuna, and I'm Chris. And today we're talking about our top ten CSS gripes and wishes, right, Chris? Yeah, that's that's the one. Uh, I Basically. was <laughs> I was thinking about trying to say that along with you, and then I was it, like, we didn't maybe, really figure maybe it out not, too yeah. much. <laughs> so the idea of the show is we want to talk about properties that are almost supported, or things that we wish were supported, things that people in the CSS community talk about as like things that we want to have as nice to have so maybe we'll have them in the future but we can't have them right now um so basically just things that would make our lives easier and some of these you can kind of play with right now but know that they're not fully supported on all browsers including edge before we get too far into it we do want to have a big shout out to our sponsor and for this show, our sponsor is Linode. And they've also given our listeners a free $20 worth of infrastructure credit with a promo code TOOLSDAY2018. So you just get $20 on Linode to do whatever you want. Um, on Linode, you could instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in seconds in the Linode cloud with your choice of Linux distros, resources, and node locations. Plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month with high memory plans starting at 16 gigabytes. All these plans have options for hourly billing with a cap and include a seven day money back guarantee. But you also get that $20 with the code. Uh, there are 10 data centers worldwide and you can get a server running in under a minute. Build virtual machines and run Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, or whatever else you would need. If something goes wrong, rest assured with 24-7 friendly support and phone support being an option as well. They have a Python CLI, RESTful API, and have a manager tool in beta, which is active on GitHub so you can get involved. They're also growing and hiring front-end developers, so check them out if you're looking to make a move. Remember, you get a $20 credit when you visit their site and use promo code TOOLSDAY2018. That's T-O-O. L-S-D-A-Y 2018. So visit linode.com slash toolsday. Linode is spelled L-I-N-O-D-E. Linode.com slash toolsday and get your $20 worth of infrastructure credit for your next project. Cool. Thank you, Linode. <laughs> so to prep for this, uh, we both just kind of talked about our CSS gripes and wishes and we have a lot so we could talk forever but we'll definitely try to keep this under 25 minutes around 25 minutes um and we just kind of have a list so i think we're just kind of going to go back and forth with our gripes and uh it'll be 10 we'll yeah. limit it to 10 yeah maybe a bonus gripe or two yeah okay uh i can kick this one off um, yes do it. all right my first gripe is element queries um, yes, this is something that we need. Is this one of those strange things which have been talked about for such a long time? So for context, you know, so right now in CSS world, we have media queries, which says if the viewport size is X or Y, please do something. Element queries say if my parent container size is X or Y, 
please do something. And, you know, as development has changed and been componentized, um, and we now we think in components all the time, it doesn't make as much sense to write a component that says, what is the browser width doing, as opposed to what is my parent doing, because who knows where this component is being dropped into. Um, so, as someone who did a ton of time in design systems at IBM, at Same. Reuters, yeah, um, and I've, I've built a small one here at Netflix, um, wow, I wish element queries existed. <laughs> um, would be so nice. It's really hard for the browser to render, so we understand why they don't exist. There's a lot of calculating that has to be done. But if you had element queries, then it would be so easy to, like, say you have a product grid and you want that product to look different in a sidebar view or in your cart view based on the size of that parent yeah. versus the size of the page parent. Like, that would just make things so much easier, especially for design systems. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to just do it based on the viewport. Yeah. A lot of the time that's just like, oh, you're on mobile, cool. You're on a desktop, cool. But like this way it could be, oh, you're inside of a small container. We'll display this view differently than if you're in a larger body. Yeah. Especially for like that, you know, that classic component, a card, right? A product card. It's like every design system has a card that says, hey, I have X, Y, and Z pieces of data I need to show in some way. Also profile, like Pro profile information yeah. in those cards. And there There's are so many use yeah, cases. There are some kind of nifty things people have done to kind of JavaScript this way in. Uh, Sam Richards, our old coworker, wrote this thing called EQ.js, which was back in 2014 or something like that. Um, there was a React version called like React Element Queries. Um, Chrome There's EQ CSS, yeah. which is elementqueries.com. Is that the same one? I think so, yeah. No, this is a different one. Oh. It's by Innovati and Maximus. Maximizere. We'll put all the links <laughs> in the show notes. I'm so sorry about that pronunciation. Um, and Chrome recently uh, rolled out the Resize Observer, which um, lowers the amount of thrashing to calculate sizes. So some hope on the horizon, maybe. Um, oh, it would be so beautiful. And then people have kind of banned around saying, hey, maybe when Houdini comes, uh, people can you know, create a worklet or something that create container queries but yeah who knows and i think that right now it works it would work on load but it might not work on resize because it's just so expensive to do those calculations yeah but uh, yeah like i'm thinking about how this would work with houdini because that would yeah. still be a lot of yeah calculating well, on the browser's the, end with the resize observer you don't do there's no uh thrashing on on so normally when you do a resize calculation it forces kind of a repaint and thrash for all for your layout but this will wait until the resize is done. Oh, the resize observer does not actually uh, cause thrash. It's, a kind of, it's kind of a stream of data. And the way they do it is that it, um, I don't actually know how it works, but uh, it doesn't That's cause. That's what I'm wondering. Like, <laughs> is it waiting? Is it like a offset? I don't know. It's only Chrome though. So it's not really like uh, reusable outside of that world. But, you know, if you're a Chrome I, only that's system. That's the theme of this episode. <laughs> I don't know enough about that, but yeah. it sounds intriguing. And if it brings us closer to element queries, I'm thankful for it. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about is focus within, which is a pseudo um, selector that allows for you to apply styles when you're focused inside of an element. Now, I'll give an example to kind of contextualize this. I wrote like a little article about this. Um, but right now, if you create a drop-down menu, 
right, and you hover over one of the items and it has a drop down, you can select an item inside of it in that drop down because you're hovered over it and then you're still hovered inside that element when you um, use the space underneath it because it's still part of the parent. However, if you're using your keyboard to navigate and using tab navigation, you can tab to the item that has a drop down but, and you'll see the dropdown, but once you start tapping into the items inside of that dropdown, you lose focus on the parent item since you're uh, focusing on an item inside of it and you lose the view, if you had like a hide show sort of view, of the entire dropdown menu. So while you're, you're focused on an element inside the dropdown, you don't see the dropdown menu anymore. Focus within fixes this because you can apply the same styles that you have for hover for focus and focus within, and then you keep mm. focus on that element so you could show that drop-down menu without having to use JavaScript and make a keyboard accessible at the same time. So having that little pseudo selector just makes things so much more accessible. And focus within is on the track to actually get shipped, right? That's one of those things that might actually come out sometime in the new future. It's supported by all browsers except for Edge. So that's uh, why it's yeah. like my CSS wish because it's supported pretty widely, but you can't implement it yet in browsers since it's not fully supported. And yeah. if this purpose is for accessibility, like browser accessibility yeah. is also <laughs> yeah. a big thing. Yeah. Um, I have another gripe that CSS that's supported in one browser, Safari, and this is nth of class, kind of. So... Um, to kind of illustrate this problem, you know, I think we've all had times where we said, hey, you know, we have a list of 20 items and every third item or has to be uh, read. Um, or sorry, not every third item. So let's say I have a list of items and every blue thing has or every ah, this is a terrible. I'm, OK, let me let me rewind this. Rewind this. OK, Um <laughs> I'm making a rewind uh, gesture. Classic, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So nth of class says um, I can spit out a mathematical formula, like 1n plus 2 or 2n plus 3 or whatever, and it says every time this thing hits, um, apply some styling, right? So the classic one is um, nth of uh, class 2n plus 1 or 2n when you're trying to target even an odd uh, table rows, zebra stripe things. The tricky part is that what happens if you have, let's say, an expandable row in there, right? So one of the rows has an invisible row, um, but you still want zebra striping. But now, like the, your drop down menu, think yes, drop down right, yeah, within a table. Yeah, um, you still want zebra striping, but it's not. It's now. It's not just even odd. It's um, even odd plus one sometimes, um, but sometimes not. Um, and I think the key that you're trying to say is that elements right now are applied no matter what elements it is with nth child. Yes. Sorry. That's a much better way of saying it. Yes. Nth of cl class or nth of child only applies to divs, p tags, to elements, not classes. So if you ever want to say every, um, every fifth time the dot blue class appears, make it dark blue instead, you have to write another class for it, add some logic to it, add that additional class, as opposed to just using CSS to do this styling. And for me, like the biggest thing I want with CSS is to, is to not use JavaScript for things that are just styling. And mm. nth of uh, class gives me one more way of doing this. Um, that is super useful. And the table example is a good one. Yeah. So like for every row style that and not like every element because you could have different elements in that row and that breaks off your yeah. beautiful little 
vision that my, you had. My vision, my you your know, vision. my masterpiece. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> Speaking on your terms of like only supported in Safari, I'm going to start with that and reel it back in a topic that I am very well versed and in love with, and that is blend modes in the browser. This is a classic so, Una topic right here. <laughs> this is classic Una. <laughs> Um, I really love getting creative in the browser and using blend modes. I think that they're so applicable in U UIs as well as in visualizations and images on your page. Um, one thing that is only supported in Safari is called backdrop filter, and that allows you to create a filter behind a div. So you can like in iOS, there's, there was that example where you had the blurry background on, um, on like your, uh, document that you had open or like a a window that you're moving around your page and then the text on it was clear. So it would make like a, a set apart um, background. So it would be like a little bit lighter. It would screen what was behind it and also be blurry. So this applies a filter onto the backdrop of that div. So it would apply like a brightness filter and also a blur filter. So the text on top of that could be legible and you can also move mm. that item like drag and drop throughout your page and still be able to read the text, but also get like a little bit of the background behind it. So that's backdrop filter. That's only supported in Safari. I don't think it's going to get much support, but then there's also blend modes, which I put in this umbrella too, which is like mixed blend mode, background blend mode, any blending of different elements on a page. There's so much that you can do with it. There's, I'm just going to share links because <laughs> I get so like, there's just so many things that you can do. You can like get creative and do things like 3d CSS and like with like transforms, you could do like different effects with images. You could also do UI effects, like creating menus. You could style icons with this. Like there's just so many things you can do, but it's not supported in edge. So sad faced, can't really <laughs> use it in production right now. <laughs> you have a back, a fallback, which you can also do, but anyway. <sighs> wow. get too much it's one of those <laughs> strange things where safari has better support for some things and just miserable support for other things very strange they're experimental in different ways yeah uh apparently you know do you see that recent thing where safari broke reverse for everybody no what yeah ios 12 was just released um yeah and they broke I'm getting my new phone tomorrow <laughs> and, oh congrats uh thank you i need it <laughs> but uh dot reverse the javascript method dot reverse does not work on Safari on iOS 12, um, they shipped something that sh which broke the JavaScript method, and I'm just like, oh boy! Uh, wow, that's it's uh, probably Swift related. They'll probably have to just revert, <laughs> revert, revert. Well, they fixed it in in like the um, the technology preview you know version of Safari, but who knows when that will actually launch on production? So that's a that's a fun one right there. Wow, that that is a fun one. <laughs> All right, next one. Okay, next one. I've talked about this a couple different times, but I'm going to say it again. I'm so excited for subgrids to hit the main stage. So grids now actually have really good support for evergreen browsers. Um, I think they're actually on every evergreen browser. Yep, so, since March of this year. Yeah, so you can use grids everywhere, and you can nest grids everywhere you want to, but you cannot use subgrids. So... Let me just kind of explain the difference. So um, when you nest a grid instead of a grid, your nested grid, you still have to define all the tracks, the you know the, the rows and columns, and define how they're set up. So if you want them to match the parents and like line up the columns and rows properly, um, you have to do some math to kind of you know make that work properly, um, which is sometimes not feasible you know because of layout reasons because you need to add a whole bunch of JavaScript to do, do this you know do this work. 
And again, you know, my motto is if I can do it in CSS, I don't want to do it in JavaScript. And um, yeah, so right now you can't. You have to just do the math. Subgrids, uh, on the other hand, once they roll out sometime in the next year, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, allow you to declare a nested grid that just inherits the parent's grid tracks. And so you don't have to, you know, do the math or anything. It just works. And then you can add any other styling you need, you know, any other overflow properties you need, any other property you need on that specific subset of a grid, you can add and it's perfect. Works great. So um, I've seen some prototypes out. Jen Simmons is the CSS grid um, master and has a bunch of articles about this, which we'll, we'll link in the show notes. But you know, that's my, my next deep wish for CSS. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I think that, uh, I don't know which one to go with next. I'll just go with this. So lately, something that I've been building at work is we just finished building a carousel of items, you know, like products, uh, images, whatever you want, like uh, post clips for articles. And one thing that we found just annoying to deal with with CSS was dealing with the scroll bars, like the Ugh. overflow. Ugh. So I just wish that you could hide scroll bars. Like you have to do this stupid thing where you do like a negative margin of 17 pixels because that's like the size. And On I some like scroll the- bars. Yeah. Yeah. It's the... Yeah, the there's different sizes, but the biggest one is that. It's just weird. Like, why do we have this hack when we should be able to just literally hide those scroll bars or style them and not have to deal with, like, this weird... Like, you should just be able to have overflow X visible, scroll bar, scroll bar display none. Like, that's not... That, like, that seems like an obvious thing. It's so weird because, like, WebKit has a scroll bar styling, like... Uh, vendor prefix, but it's only only WebKit browsers, only Safari and Chrome. So, <coughs> so Firefox and Edge are out of the picture. And even then, it's like the, the the targeting is so weird. Like there's like if you ever target WebKit scroll bar, there's like five different parts of the scroll bar. Uh, they don't always work the same way. The naming system is whack. It's awful. It's old. That's what it is. It's old. Yeah. Like we need to bring back scroll bar. We have to make it cool again. You know what I mean? <laughs> It, also, one of those things where, like, if you're on a Mac, the default system setting is to hi- hide scroll bars by default, right? So it, it will only show it to you when you're scrolling. And so if you develop... Which is also weird. That's, like, a weird behavior it, sometimes. It's very weird. And if you're, like, if you develop only on a Mac and you never check Windows, you're going to have a scenario where, like, you didn't, you know, account for scroll bars. And someone on a Windows computer will pull up your web app <coughs> or site and then see, like, 10,000 scroll bars. And it's the worst experience and it also uh, causes weird margins, like weird yeah. horizontal or vertical margins, depending on where the scroll bar is, yeah. because you didn't take that into account, and it's just a mess. So, like, let's please have the ability to style our scroll bars. Yeah, I mean, um, and I can I can add on to this one because Overflow has been one of my main gripes too. <coughs> so, Overflow has some interesting behaviors. Uh, interesting, I mean, terrible. And so, you know, if you've ever wanted to say, I want to be able to scroll hor- vertically or horizontally and hide something else, you can't do it, uh, really. So if you set overflow X to visible, like overflow Y to auto, for example, this actually evaluates to both or auto. So you get, you get a scroll bar on both ones, despite the fact that you only said scroll bar vertical. You got to add that negative margin. You have No, <laughs> no, it, it doesn't work because a CSS, you know, in the spec apparently is like, hey... If you use visible, 
plus auto, it doesn't work. It just becomes both or, or auto. Well, you should use scroll then because no, no. they won't both evaluate. No, scroll also. No, so if, if you say overflow um, visible and scroll, it says both or scroll. It's the worst behavior. So take take this example. Um, this is one I run into a lot at work because I run I deal with virtualized tables. So you have a table. It has overflow um, X is auto or scroll. Overflow Y is um, is nothing, right? Um, and you have a like a, an action menu that needs to pop out of the of the table, right? You press the you know that's those three dots for the additional options menu uh, i see what you're saying <clears throat> and it needs to appear outside of the table per se right because it's it's supposed to be visible um yeah, it can't appear but it can't appear because you have this overflow hidden thing going on or scroll thing and i'm like yep. why is this here um so i just had to rearrange an element to make a div live outside of the parent that it should be in because i needed it to display yeah it's and the- the child was overflow hidden. It's like this weird thing where you have to pop it out and then you have to like JavaScript it back in. And it's 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 a mess, especially when you start start scrolling, right? Where you start scrolling and you still have want to pop this out. And then you have to factor in the scroll, you know, scroll Y of the of the elements you're in. It's just a, uh, it's horrible. Um, and like, it, are you thinking that maybe like a Z index, like, um, overrule situation yeah so uh there's just like CSS- a scroll index <laughs> i don't know well there's this css tricks tricks um article describing this phenomenon and the guy was like yeah you can do this but wouldn't it be nice if you had like a clip depth um css property and said well, is z index yeah kind of z index says render at a certain yeah yeah or z index yeah right but z yeah. index won't override this yeah visibility right exactly yeah so it can say i just want this to not respond to overflow or clipping you know what you know um, what we need then overflow unset because we have um like mixed blend mode unset and it makes it so that an element won't get the blend mode even if it's um being surrounded yeah by blend mode things um but if we had overflow unset in that element in that element on your action menu pop up that would thing. maybe fix it. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's just... Uh, uh. <coughs> Gripes. If you've ever... Okay. Yeah, wait, hey. If you've ever used React Virtualize, this becomes a huge, huge problem. Uh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Carry on. <laughs> okay. I just want to, like, get through it because our show is almost over and I want to get through some more things. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to briefly talk about this for three seconds. And I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm just going to state two words. And those two words are styling dropdowns. Ugh. <laughs> Yuck. Why? <laughs> Why is it so hard to style dropdowns? Why must we turn to JavaScript or Houdini to style dropdowns? Like, it's so frustrating. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, in the React world, I don't ever use dropdowns or select you, like, anymore. make fake dropdowns, which is N- terrible. No, I use, so uh, Kent Dodds has this wonderful library called Downshift, <coughs> which um, is a, it's called a render prop component. So it does no styling for you per se. But it gets it lets you create accessible, keyboard friendly, ARIA friendly drop down with your own styles um, really, really easily. So you you completely skip over the select scenario. You skip so over. So is it a fake drop down, like it, made out of divs, but made accessible? Yes. Uh, but you have to do almost no work to get it to work properly. Uh, it just, it's magic and it makes styling drop downs 
well, you're not still on a drop down or select. You're making a new one, but it makes that part easy, and it's still accessible. So, um, what a you, joy! Thank you, Kent. Yeah, if you, Kent Dawes is my hero. Uh, uh, he produces so many awesome stuff between like his libraries and his Egghead tutorials. Just great. Anyways, oh yeah, yeah. big ups for Egghead. Yeah. We haven't talked about that in a while. <laughs> Um, All right. Do you want to go with the next one? I'm actually out of my main gripes. <laughs> You're fixed positioning to relative parent. Oh yes. Sorry. Um, it's you got kind, one more. It's kind of re- it's it's related to overflow. <coughs> oh, sorry, I'm also dying of a sickness right now. That's why we're a little late uh, this week. We're sorry. Um, but um, if you so if you have a scrollable container and you want to create a another pop-out menu, our, our best friend pop-out menu, or action menu, and you <laughs> want it to um, follow that that div, um, but also be popped out, it becomes super difficult because you say <coughs> position fixed, right? Fixed is relative to the viewport, not to this contained scroll um, or a scrollable container. And so once you scroll, it goes away, or it stays in the same place, despite the fact that different content is there. Um, if you say position absolute inside a scrollable container, it will just be contained by that um, clipping scenario. And so you have to do essentially a position fixed outside of the thing and then math where that scroll is. And it's just, it's not fun. So... Um, it doesn't sound fun. Yeah. Anything that revolves math and JavaScript when it should be done by CSS makes me an unhappy person. That's the primary thing. When it's styling, <laughs> yeah. it should be just done in CSS. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing, our number 10, um, also is related to overflow, and that <coughs> is the desire and wish to have CSS zones. Mm-hmm. And this is specifically in things like grid or where you have CSS shapes that are present. Um, so like say you have a circle shape and you have text that overflows inside of that circle it has to go somewhere but right now there's nowhere to say for that text to go if it fits inside of that shape but if you had these zones like i know there's a spec around this because people have been talking about it, i just can't think about the top of my head um then it'll flow into that so if you had like a circle next to another circle maybe the text can flow into that other circle um, and also like if you have elements like divs in a grid then you could have it overflow into the next area like in if any of you ever uh, used adobe indesign to create layouts that's exactly what you do you create these layout areas and you just paste your article in there and then you have it flow onto your next page or the next area and you create this link of where your text flows your content flows so having like css zones like content flow would be amazing especially if you're creating like weird layouts and making the web more beautiful and making it also a lot more accessible because a browser would be able to understand where your content is going and just it's a it's a nice to have thing was this css regions regions that's the word for it yes regions didn't it get killed off by somebody i don't know i don't remember i think it's nice to have i don't remember i feel like i feel like people who cared about like making the web beautiful really wanted it and some other people were like it's harmful. I don't know. Anyways, I don't know. Well, don't. fight me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm down for your comments. Leave us comments. Yeah. <laughs> but not on our iTunes. iTunes is for positive reviews. Yes, positive. Comments are on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's 
that's our show. Do you have anything else that you want to um, wrap with? Uh, no, beyond just me reiterating that overflow sucks. Uh, overflow is good. It does what it's meant to do, but we don't have workarounds to work with it. That's the problem. So anyway, Agreed Chris disagree. is like holding his tongue here. He's like grinning and like holding it. <laughs> oh he's dying poor Chris uh, thank you so much for listening to our episode I thought it was a really fun one I do want to say thank you to our sponsor again that's Linode remember you can get a $20 credit when you use promo code toolsday2018 so visit linode.com slash toolsday that's l-i-n-o-d-e dot com slash t-o-o-l-s-d-a-y and get your $20 worth of infrastructure for your next project. Also want to shout out to Webflow for being our patron on Patreon. We really appreciate their support and thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating. preferably, <laughs> Or whatever rating I mean, you think is appropriate. It's AKA five stars <laughs> on iTunes. That's how other people hear about the show or on whatever podcast app you listen to. That's how, you know, our audience spreads. Or if you just want to share this podcast with a friend or your coworkers, that's just as well. So thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time.